This podcast is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, award-winning wealth managers who go above and beyond to support and guide you. Visit candowealth.com to start building your wealth with confidence. Hello and welcome to Coffeehouse Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Fraser Nelson. Boris Johnson has announced that he will be leaving 10 Downing Street. For now, he is still Prime Minister and it looks as though he could be the caretaker Prime Minister until a new leader is announced. And while the leadership contest has not officially started, there's plenty of manoeuvres to go through. James, just to kick things off, can you update us on Boris Johnson's position and whether it looks as though he will be there for weeks to come? So I think the compromise appears to be this, that Boris Johnson will stay as Prime Minister until probably the first Monday in September, by which point the Tory leadership contest will be concluded. And essentially the deal is he's allowed to stay as Prime Minister if he doesn't try and change policy. I understand there was a discussion at Cabinet yesterday where Jacob Rees-Mogg was pushing for changes to the windfall tax on um, uh, on oil and gas producers in the North Sea. And basically the view at the Cabinet table was that those people who agreed to join the Cabinet basically said, we can't have any new policy, so we're just going to kind of keep the, the things ticking over on the, on the pre-existing course. I think if Boris Johnson started trying to make new policy, then I think there would be a renewed push to say, look, something's got to be done. I think people are very aware of the, the view that you know the, that Boris Johnson shouldn't be spending money that could be better spent by his successor. And Fraser, where are we at now in the leadership contest, which has not officially yet begun? We obviously had the Spectator Summer Party last night and quite a few candidates there, and today some giving broadcast interviews. We've got undeclared and declared candidates. So we've got Suella Braverman um, has, was the first to say that she's um, going over the top. Then we've had Tom Tugendhat, who later his manifesto in the Daily Telegraph this morning. I have a, a look at that in, on, on the blog today. I'm not particularly impressed with the manifesto because it comes up with these typical Tory non-sequiturs, like taxes are too high, but however, the debt is too high as well. We need to cut taxes. And now unless you actually are saying you're going to cut spending then you end up in the same dead end that Boris Johnson ended in. But at least um, the leadership process is about discussing these conundrums and we can see who's got solutions and who doesn't. Steve Baker as well, the, the kind of um, perennial Brexit rebel who specialises in telling Prime Ministers to resign, he himself is going to um, put his cap into the ring. We're expecting Rishi Sunak, Sajid Javid, Liz Truss, there's some talk about Kemi Badenich and um, other yeah, sort of medium-ranking ministers as well. But we will see. They haven't got that much time to decide are they going to run themselves. And there's lots of conversations going on. Even yesterday, I found out, there's, a gr- there's groups of MPs who are additioning certain candidates. So they think, OK, if you want to... Rep- so they're presenting themselves as a caucus and saying, OK, if you want the social conservative vote in the party, this is what you've got to say. Now, the problem with this process is that Tories lie the whole time. They lie about who represents a group and who doesn't. Who they, they will, you typically, they'll pledge their support to at least two candidates. It's a secret ballot, so you absolutely don't know. So everybody is in the dark. Right now, it doesn't really matter what the public think. Um, I was approached by the campaign manager of one undeclared candidate last night who was saying that, um, you know, what do you think my, my man's positives and negatives are? It, that's the sort of statement that's coming out now. People are phoning up saying, should I run? 
they're calling other cabinet members. If I run, will you back me? It was talk about joint tickets. So right now we're going to have a frenetic weekend where people will be sort of like, like dogs sniffing each other, really, seeing them, <laughs> how they're going to It's a nice image for, every, for, for everyone um, looking ahead to the leadership contest. James, it seems as though when we're looking at candidates who might come out in the coming days, it is more likely to be those who, are, who have a lower profile, who are probably, I mean, I say not in cabinet, but quite a few of the... Yeah. Former cabinets no. are no longer in cabinet, and we have a new cabinet, so it's all moving back and forth. But those who are you know less established have less experience on the front bench. So when, when what do you think the timings are for some of the better known candidates coming out? Uh, I think some people will be inclined to wait until the rules of a contest are formally announced on Monday. Others will be looking to come out this weekend. I think I mean, you're right in your analysis that people like Suella Braveman or Steve Baker or Tom Tugendhat, you know, they need to steal a march early. And I think there is a, I think there is an element to which Tom Tugendhat's quite effectively stolen a march on Jeremy Hunt, who are kind of competing for the kind of one nation wing of the party. And if you look at you know Damien Green backing Tom Tugendhat, I think that, that uh, that's a bit of a blow, I think, to Hunt. Uh, I think the other thing is, don't forget how important two things are going to be in this contest. One, momentum. Because these parliamentary rounds are so close together, whoever gets a strong start, whoever is seen to overperform in the first round, will get a big boost. The second is what I call transferability. Can you pick up, as people get knocked out, can you pick up support from not just one candidate, but from the supports of lots of different candidates across all wings of the party? I mean, that is going to be a key test. I think if you'd asked me a week ago, I would have thought that Nazim Zahawi was kind of the leader on transferability, if you like. I think the last 72 hours have made that more difficult for him because I think there are some people who are very puzzled by why he chose to become Chancellor and then decide that the situation was untenable less than 24 hours later. I think one of the other things to watch out for is you've clearly got some people trying to settle scores. Jacob Rees-Mogg has been out attacking Rishi Sunak as a kind of scare quotes, socialist chancellor and all this kind of thing. And so I think there'll be more of that. And then I think there's also a kind of lots of kind of people saying, oh, wait until you find out this about, you know, I was hearing one junior minister who's planning on running, you know, there were various people saying to me, oh, look, when you find out and you look at their record of what they've actually done, you know, it's going to turn out to be not that impressive on close inspection. So I think there'll be lots of things like that. I think there is also, interestingly, one of the big issues that is facing up to, be to is, is trans rights. Several female MPs are preparing an argument that you know Penny Mordaunt's position on this stuff, which she has used quite effectively to appeal to some of the 2019 intake, you know, should concern should concern Tory MPs. People have been arguing that you know, but there's a strong case that you know Liz Truss, for example, on women's rights, is in a, in a very different place to Penny Mordaunt. And Fraser, just in terms of those lesser known candidates, uh, we're hearing that there could be a change to the number of nominations per candidate has to have to even get to the first round, potentially 20 nominations. Do you think that's going to knock some people out or is it just going to mean that probably the better known candidates lose some of theirs to, to make it a wider area for debate? It's a difficult balance to strike. I mean, it seems now that we're going to get a whole bunch of first-round candidates who wants to make a, a point, um, which I think is, by the way, is a good thing. One of the problems the Tories have got is that they haven't really thought, why did we get it so far wrong? Why did we end up in a manifesto promising to protect people from the cost of government, yet then voting to increase national insurance? So I think there is an important self-examination period for the party to go through. But that suggests that your average Tory would back a, for example, say a Tom Tugendhat figure, 
in the first time around, and then thinking, okay, when Tom Tugendhat gets knocked out, we'll switch their allegiance to, to a big fish. Now, in that scenario, you, you get a whole bunch of people wanting to position themselves, as you do in most walks of life. People would apply for, for a top job, even if they don't think they get it, but they would like a better job, and they think this is a good way of, of putting a marker down. So there's a danger of there being way too many candidates with not much to say in the first round. And that's why they're talking about just um, about, about increasing it. I think at the moment it's eight nominations. Um, is that right, James? Uh, it's ten, I think. So it's an eight plus a proposer on second up. Right. And there's, there's some talk about moving that up to 15. Remember, the Parliament Party is bigger now than it was in 2019. Yeah. Anyway, so I will be all up for diversity of thought because I think that's what the Tory party needs more often, more than anything else. And similarly, those who do have a manifesto and don't have anything really to say that's different ought to be exposed and ignored relatively quickly. I would really quite like it if somebody did come up with a really good idea that, um, in the same way that David Cameron's candidature came out of the blue, I'd be very, interest- I'd be very pleased if somebody were to come up and articulate the country's problems and conservative answers in such a way that made them a surprise um, candidate to get into the final two. So if the Tories can curate that kind of competition of ideas, then so much the better. I think there are two obstacles to a David Cameron-style candidate. The first is how short this contest is going to be. It's worth remembering that you know in the August of that contest, so before the party conference where David Cameron made that famous speech, the Times was having leaders written by David Cameron's friends calling on him to drop out, cut a deal, you know, and it took him a, it took him a long time to get going and get purchased. I think it'll be much harder for people to do that. I mean, the second point is the Tories were in opposition then. I think even the most diehard Cameroon would admit that David Cameron wasn't ready to be Prime Minister when he became Tory leader in 2005. You know, that, that five-year period as leader of the opposition was crucial. While as this time round, whoever wins the contest, they will be announced as the winner on, on Monday morning, and on Monday lunchtime, they will be sitting behind a desk in Downing Street. And so I think this, is, I think this, this changes the nature of who the Tory party can, can pick. I think that what is absolutely vital for the Tories, though, is that this is a contest about actual policy solutions. I think that you know, the Tory party have not, have in some ways, wasted the first half of this parliament. They've only got, they've got two years, which is still quite a lot of time, but they've got two years to, 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 to make a difference. And that will mean not just, you know, fine words, but actually here are the, here are the policies that we are going to enact that will, that will visibly improve people's lives by 2024. Thank you, James. Thank you, Fraser. And thank you for listening.